Hello and welcome to episode two of the Kangaroo English podcast, a podcast about language for people learning languages. In this episode, I'm going to talk about how English will sound in 100 years and why every little thing is going to be all right. <laughs> Before we start today, I need to mention that this podcast and all of my other online activities are sponsored by my very generous patrons on Patreon. And if you would like to sponsor free English education, then please visit my website, kangarooenglish.com, where you will find a link to my Patreon and also links to all of my other incredible online stuff, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, etc. I would love to see you online. Okay, so let's get down to business. When you think about Shakespeare and you think about actors performing Shakespeare, what accents do you imagine that they have? What accent immediately comes to your mind? It's probably a BBC newsreader, Hugh Grant, Downton Abbey style, posh English accent. But if that is the accent that you associate with Shakespeare, then you would be terribly mistaken. Because when Shakespeare's plays were performed when he was alive, the English accent at that time was more like a cross between a pirate and a West Country farmer. Now, listen to this excerpt from an interview with David and Ben Crystal. Now, they work at Shakespeare's Globe Theatre, and here they are performing a small section of Shakespeare's play Henry V in both the modern English pronunciation and then the original English pronunciation. Oh, for a muse of fire that would ascend the brightest heaven of invention. Oh, for a muse of fire that would ascend the brightest heaven of invention. A kingdom for a stage, princes to act and monarchs to behold the swelling scene. A kingdom for a stage, princes to act and monarchs to behold the swelling scene. Then should the warlike Harry, like himself, assume the port of Mars. Then should the warlike Harry, like himself, assume the port of Mars. And that his heels leashed in like hounds, should famine, sword and fire crouch for employment. And that his heels leashed in like hounds, should famine, sword and fire crouch for employment. So as you can hear, there's a massive difference. The English accent has changed a lot since Shakespeare's time. And I want you to realize that that is something which is really important to understand about language, that language is not something static. As the great linguist John McWhorter says, language is something that's going on. It's a process. And now in modern times, when we associate this posh BBC accent with Shakespeare, it reveals a modern prejudice that we have about what accents are considered prestige accents. But times are changing. As we sit here listening to this podcast, two billion people speak English, either as a primary language or as a second language. And as many as 80% 
of all of the conversations in English right now are between non-native speakers. So, of course, this has a massive effect on the language. And in the future, in the next 100 years, this is going to bring about enormous change. So, what predictions exist about what those changes might be like? In 2016, the HSBC Bank released a study called The Sound of Britain in 2066, which was co-authored by Dominic Watt and Brendan Gunn, a sociolinguist and a voice coach. Now, this report was commissioned by the HSBC to promote their new voice recognition product. So, it contains a lot of blatant self-promotion and... In the report, they're not very clear about their methods, but the findings generally coincide with the findings from other empirical predictions about the future of English. So I think it's worth taking note of. So one of the main predictions of the study is that in the next 50 or 100 years, regional dialects are going to die and we will only be left with a much smaller quantity of urban dialects. And those urban dialects, over time also, are going to homogenize a lot, which means there will be much less difference between, say, a London accent and a Scottish accent. Now, this report divides the accents up into different cities, but... I've gone through the report and I've selected what I think are the most interesting features of accent change for people who are learning English. Every time you pronounce the letter H correctly, the flame will waver, and every time you drop your H, the flame will remain stationary. That's how you'll know if you've done it correctly. In time, your ear will hear the difference. See it better in the mirror. Now, listen carefully. In Hartford, Hereford, and Hampshire, hurricanes hardly ever happen. Now, repeat that after me. In Hartford, Hereford, and Hampshire, hurricanes hardly ever happen. In Hartford, Hereford, and Hampshire, hurricanes hardly ever happen. Oh, no, no, no. So the first thing is that the H is going to come back in the future. In a lot of British dialects, the H is not pronounced in words like horse and hotel. They would be horse and hotel. But the prediction is in the future that this H is going to come back. The next prediction is that the TH sound, which so many learners have massive problems with, they either end up losing their false teeth or spitting all over their teachers, or they just feel absolutely ridiculous when they try to pronounce this TH. Well, the TH is going to transition and become more like a T or a D or an F. So, for example, in a word like mother, where, you know, the correct standard pronunciation would be to stick out your tongue and have a very clear th, mother, Well, the prediction for the future is it would be more like a T or a D, like mother, or maybe even mother, more like an F. So I think that's good news for a lot of English learners. 
The next prediction is that we are going to see a lot more yod dropping. Now, a yod is this little e, the e sound that we insert in front of certain vowels in English. So, for example, the word news. It doesn't contain an e, but we pronounce it news. Or other words like e university. And the prediction is that in the future, it will go back to being a single vowel. So, news would be more like news, and university would be more like university. Another really interesting prediction is that all of our L's are going to become dark. <laughs> Now, a dark L is basically an L that's not clearly pronounced. So, if we have a word like school, Now, you could make that extra physical effort and produce that L at the end, lifting your tongue and touching the roof of your mouth. But it's a lot of work. So, in the future, we will sort of do a half-baked attempt at an L. So, the tongue only comes a little bit up. So, school will become school. Another prediction is that we are going to see a lot more glottal stops. A glottal stop is when we replace the T sound, that very clear t t, -t sound. It's when we replace it with silence, with a stop. For example, in the word butter, you could make, again, you could make that physical effort of producing that clear t, butter, but it's going to become much more common in the future to instead use that glottal stop and say, ba'a. The final prediction that I want to talk about from this report is about vowels, specifically about the difference between vowels in the north of England and the south of England. Now, at the moment, these vowels really are the biggest difference in sound between north and south. But the prediction is that over time, the vowels are going to become much more homogenized. For example, if you went to the north of England, you would hear the word court, which in the south of England would be coat. And in the future, it's predicted it's going to be more something in the middle, like court. Okay, so I've talked about all of these specific predictions for the future. But what will it actually sound like? I mean, wouldn't it be fantastic if we could actually listen to a recording of somebody from the future? Well, thanks to the journalist Michael Erard, we can. He took a small section of the Charles Dickens book, A Tale of Two Cities. He transcribed it into the International Phonetic Alphabet, and then he applied all of these predicted sound changes. And the result is quite remarkable, actually. So, first I'm going to play you the excerpt using a modern British English pronunciation. It was the best of times, it was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom, it was the age of foolishness. It was the epoch of belief, it was the epoch of incredulity. It was the season of light, It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. 
And now listen to it using the pronunciation of what English might sound like in 100 years. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the epoch of belief. It was the epoch of incredulity. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. Incredible, right? I mean, to my ear, it sounds exactly like a Jamaican English accent. It's as if everybody in the future will be learning to speak English, listening to Bob Marley records. And <laughs> that's how I know that in the future, every little thing is going to be all right. <laughs> But joking aside, I think it shows the profound effect that all of the non-native speakers are going to have on the pronunciation of English in the future. And I'm sure that that excerpt was shocking to a lot of people, especially native speakers, because they probably feel like, that's not me, that's not who I am, because language, pronunciation is all part of identity. Let me read you a little excerpt from the HSBC report. Our speech and language patterns are absolutely central to our individual identities, and we exercise consumer choice over which new linguistic trends we buy into, much as we do when we choose music or clothing. We adopt new ways of saying things because they're fashionable or cool, or because we want to sound like we're a member of a particular group of people. We use language to tell others something about ourselves in a way that costs nothing and is very immediate. Uttering just a few syllables can be enough to signal where you come from and what kind of social groups you identify with or admire. So to all the people listening to this, I want you to realize that the future of English will be decided by you. Every time you have a conversation write an email, choose to adopt or reject a new word, that becomes part of the very fabric of the language. And that's what I love about language. It is a purely democratic process. The people decide. I'm Christian. This is Kangaroo English. I'll see you in class.